To him who is and who was and who is to come be power and glory and honor and praise forever and ever. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this morning is our first reading from Haggai chapter 1. We'll hear again these words. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. This is the word of our God. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, 2 plus 2 equals 4. A little slow there, folks, but I think you got it. Basic fact, right? Left is left, and right is right, and up is up, and down is down. These are all basic facts. They make sense to us. Not everything in this world makes sense like that. He was a good kid from a good family. How did he get hooked on heroin? It just doesn't make any sense. He was a good husband and father, the consummate family man. They just celebrated their 20th anniversary. How could he just up and walk out on them like that? It doesn't make any sense. She was in such great health, always took good care of herself, right diet, right exercise, no family history, but now breast cancer. It just doesn't make any sense. And there are lots of things in this sin-filled world like that that just don't make any sense to us. I mean, how do you make sense out of the hatred of Hitler and his concentration camps? How do you make sense out of things like abortion and child abuse, child abuse uh, and human trafficking? None of that makes any sense. On the surface, giving to God just doesn't make a bit of sense. I mean, the thinking goes like this. Well, if I give away some of my money, some of my resources, then I will have less for myself and my responsibilities. Well, our God has a way of taking that kind of thinking and just turning it on its head. In the portion of his word before us today, a minor prophet by the name of Haggai declares to us a major message, a message which all of us need to hear. He tells us how our God can take much and turn it into just a little bit. But on the other hand, he can take a little bit and he can turn it into great things for us. In 587 B.C., the mighty armies of Babylon surrounded Jerusalem and pounded it back into the Stone Age. And then they took thousands of Jews off into captivity in Babylon. The Lord's own temple became a smoking ruin. And the Jews were confused by this. This wasn't supposed to happen. I mean, weren't they supposed to be God's chosen people? Why all this destruction? Why all this death? Why these deportations? It just didn't make any sense. Seventy years later, when the gracious Lord of history allowed some of his people to come back to Jerusalem, they must have been thinking the same thing. This doesn't make any sense. Because they came back to a Jerusalem that looked like a Wild West ghost town. Walls were crumbling, gates were broken, weeds were growing out of every crack. And the Lord's own temple, that beautiful house of worship, which had been filled with worshipers who made the place shake with their singing, was a sad and silent pile of rubble. It just didn't make any sense. Well, for a while, those Israelites who came back during Haggai's day rolled up their sleeves and they got to work. They got to work rebuilding the city, rebuilding the Lord's temple. But you know what people are like. After a while, they kind of lost their concentration. They lost focus. 
they began to think about other things that were nearer and dearer to their hearts, like their own houses instead of the Lord's house. And maybe their thinking went something like this, well, if mama isn't happy, ain't nobody going to be happy. I need to put a roof over her head. And you know, as long as we're doing that, we really should get our own homestead all set up. We should get it all just the way we like it. And then later on, we'll have time, we'll have attention, we'll have more resources to work on the Lord's house. Well, again, you know what people are like. Later never really came. And so it was time for the Lord to speak to his chosen people through the mouth of his prophet. He said, Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You see, the Israelites were preaching a sermon about priorities as they paneled their own houses and procrastinated rebuilding the Lord's house. That sermon came in two parts. Part one, me first. Part two, the Lord a very distant second. In other words, what they were saying was giving to God first doesn't make a bit of sense. My friends, are we ever guilty of thinking like they did. I mean, common sense and basic math tell us that if we give away some of our resources, that means we'll have less for ourselves. I mean, that's the way money works. So if I put the Lord first, that means that I'm going to have less for the things that I like, the things I care about, even the things that I love. Those things are going to suffer. And you know what? None of this squares with the American dream. The American dream is always about having more than my parents had, more than those who went before me. It's always about more, more, and more. Not about less. So this giving to God first, it just doesn't make any sense. And you know something? Sadly, that is the default setting of our sinful human nature. We want security. So we think we can have that security by having stuff. And so we want to keep stuff and store stuff and stockpile stuff, even hoard stuff for ourselves so that we have that security. And once we have all that stuff, well, we call it the good life, right? God calls it greed. We call it being sensible. God calls it sin. Did you notice in Haggai's sermon how he took this thinking that if I just keep more for myself, I'll have more. And he turned that thinking right on its head. He said, You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. You see, Haggai's telling the people the reason they had less is because they were stingy. You see, God was not about to reward their greed. Instead, he chastised them for their selfishness with droughts and calamities and purses that were filled with holes. My friends, we live in the richest nation on the face of the earth, arguably the richest nation that has ever existed in this world. And right now, in spite of some talk about a possible recession, the economy is booming. Unemployment is low, the lowest it's been in many, many years. People have some disposable income to spend, don't they? I read a statistic this week. In 2018, people spent $43 billion on video games. Offerings have remained flat. 
And that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, it makes sense for offerings to remain that way if God has second place in our hearts. My friends, by God's grace alone, we have inherited a wonderful gospel ministry here at Emmanuel, which your parents and your grandparents carefully sacrificed for. Are we willing to make sacrifices so that our children and our grandchildren and great-grandchildren can also benefit from a Christ-centered gospel ministry? You know, in this 90-some-year-old congregation, we have no capital debt, meaning we have no mortgage to pay. And yet we struggle month by month just to pay our bills, to cover the salaries. In this congregation of 850 souls, we are served by a single pastor who doesn't really have the time to properly serve all those many souls. And that means that ministry opportunities, gospel ministry opportunities, are slipping through our fingers. Yes, we're getting some things done, but we're missing a lot of things too. Again, because the pastor doesn't have the time that he needs to plan, to study, to prepare, and to follow up on ministry opportunities as he should. My point in telling you that is this. You tend to get the ministry that you are willing to give for. You know, recently we were saved from having to max out our line of credit at the bank by an unexpected gift. And by the way, not from a member of our congregation, but from a total stranger, from somebody we don't even know. And thank God for that unexpected gift. Boy, our God is clever in finding ways to take care of us. But my friends, we can't expect those kind of gifts. We can't rely on those kind of gifts in the future. The gospel ministry of Emmanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church and School needs to be supported by the people of Emmanuel. Every one of us needs to examine our hearts and look at our giving. We all need to follow God's advice given through the mouth of Haggai. Give careful thought to your ways. Come back with me once again to Haggai's day, to that temple rebuilding project. Something that I didn't tell you before, and I'm going to tell you now, is that there were those faithful Jews who were committed to that building project. They worked hard on it. They gave generously of time and talent and treasure to rebuild the Lord's house. And why did they do that? Because they believed in the same God that we believe in. They believed in the God who graciously gives himself completely for us. Now, if you stop and think about it, it's not our giving to God that doesn't make any sense. It's God's giving to us that a holy God would give himself and every blessing so completely for sinful human beings like you and me. Well, it just doesn't make a lick of sense. And that's why we call it grace, undeserved love. My friends, that grace is true. Truly amazing. Jesus didn't just tithe. He didn't just give you 10%. He gave you a 110% effort for you and for your salvation. Just think of what your Lord Jesus did. And we've heard this countless times, but my friends, I never stop wondering about it. Jesus left behind the golden paved streets of heaven in exchange for the cow manure covered barn floor in Bethlehem. He wasn't rich in this world, was he? He didn't live in a paneled house. In fact, Scripture tells us that he didn't even have a pillow on which to lay his head. 
And yet Jesus spent extravagantly for you. He didn't just swipe a visa card. Jesus spent what is most precious. He shed his holy and precious blood. He did that to free you and me and all people from our slavery to sin. He did that so that we can be called his forgiven sons and daughters. He did that to make us the heirs of eternal life. My friends, in Jesus, God withholds nothing. He graciously gives us all things in him, everything that we need for body and soul. The one who said, I am thirsty, is the same one who washed you and made you clean in the water and word of holy baptism. The one whose cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Echoed from the pit of hell itself, is the same one who will never leave you or forsake you. The same one who teaches us to pray, give us today our daily bread, is the one who opens his hand and generously provides us with all that we need for body and soul. This is our God. He loves us with an everlasting love. He has saved us. He is faithful. He cares for us every day without fail. You can trust him. So the question before our Emmanuel family this morning is this. Is our relationship with our Savior God our number one priority in life? Or is it just another one of life hobbies like jogging or woodworking or something like that? Is there a way to tell? Well, here's a way. Try this. Go home today or sometime this week and spend a prayerful half an hour with your checkbook. Or maybe log into your bank account online and scroll through all those expenses that you have. I'm sure there are many of them. Just take a look at those and see if any priorities jump out at you. The numbers usually don't lie. And then pray about those things. Pray about what you find there and maybe what you don't find there. My friends, we all need to open our eyes. Jesus tells us that the harvest is plentiful. That's true today as the, as the day that he said it. The opportunities are all around us and so are the resources. Look in your homes and your garages. Look in your checkbook. Look at your pay stub. It's not a matter of resources. It's never been a matter of resources. It's a matter of resolve. My friends, where does the Lord come on our list of priorities? Is he a first fruits priority? Or is he a leftovers hobby? I mean, are we going to focus on our nice paneled houses? Or are we going to try with all our might to make a real eternal difference? I don't know about you, but, but for me, this isn't comfortable to hear or to preach. Because I, uh, uh, Haggai's message hits me right between the eyes. Our God, my friends, knows how to take something and make it into nothing because of our greed. But at the same time, he knows how to take a little bit and to make it into great blessings because of his grace. He is the ultimate giver. You cannot outgive God. He thought of you first, and he gave you his very best, his one and only son. In Christ, God graciously gives you everything. My friends, you can take his promises to the bank. God is faithful. And so trust him. And then roll up your sleeves and get to work. Not rebuilding a temple, but instead doing everything together that we can with the gospel here in Manitowoc so that this house of God is filled with precious souls for whom our Savior shed his priceless blood. God grant that to us all for Jesus' sake. Amen. Please stand.
The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.